Ken, welcome to the Building and Growing podcast. We're delighted to have you here today. Super, looking, looking forward to it, really looking forward to it. Excellent. So Ken is the partner and co-founder of Progressive. And would you like to start off by telling us a bit about yourself and indeed Progressive as well? Yeah, well, the, the journey for me started about nine or so years ago. So I, my, my background's brand marketing. So I had your normal brand marketing career. I, I used to work at Einhauser Bush InBev, AB InBev. I did a few brand director roles there. And eight, nine years ago, I, I came across the startup world, especially in Shoreditch in East London. Yes. And it was one of those moments in one's life where I thought, what, what have I been missing? I mean, I was so taken aback by the, the positivity, the vibrancy and the enthusiasm that startups had that I just felt quite old and stayed in the corporate <laughs> world. I thought, my goodness, what am I doing in my life? And I wanted to work with people with this mindset. And I also mm. realized quite quickly that the technology they had and were making was absolutely relevant to what we were doing in the, in the brand world. Yes. Um, so I wanted to join the two together. And, that, and that's quite a difficult join with different sizes of company, different cultures, different expectations. And it, and it made me realize, Lucas, that there's a gap in the market. Mm. And there was eight years ago for, for someone to be in the middle. So for yes. someone who's got that understanding of the corporate world, as I, as I had, yes. and also someone who's really keen to become part of the startup world and to join the two. So to be like a bridge between the two so eight eight years ago my goodness that's gone really quickly eight years ago I jumped the corporate ship mm-hmm. and initially on my own started to become that that man in the middle that yes. person in the middle and roll forward to where we are now I now co-found a company called Progressive mm-hmm. we're an innovation consultancy and the part of the business that I'm responsible for is is as I just mentioned I I and our team actually work with large corporates yes people like the GSKs the Procter and Gambles the Mercedes the DFS of this world they give us business challenges mm. and we go out into the startup world globally we ascertain what the main trends are what's happening but most importantly we come back to the client with an overview of what the technology situation is in that area okay and we help the client there narrow down that list of what could be 30 or 40 companies down to five and then eventually down to um, helping them identify partners to do some paid work with yes so we go from a brief to a a pilot. Fantastic. That's a yeah, a very clear pro process in terms of the corporates coming with their briefs to you. You go out, you look at say thirty different companies, mm-hmm. reduce that list to five with a key focus on the technology um, before uh, allowing the corporates to engage with the startups. I I suppose you mentioned that you really act in the middle um, uh, of the corporates and the startups. Yes. Are you able to perhaps elaborate on the pain points as to why these corporates aren't able to, say, achieve this by themselves? To be frank, I think part of the problem is that corporates, and I know it from my own previous experience, are just very, very busy. The day job is getting bigger and bigger. Yes. So to actually be able to go into the startup world to understand how it ticks and to be a trusted member within it takes time. Mm-hmm. And I think time is something that everyone's short of, especially if you're in the, the, the corporate world for a big, large company. So yeah. you haven't really got the time or the license to actually go out there and, and understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. coupled with that, there is a need and a, a desire, I believe, for corporates to find out and to understand what's happening. So they're kind of caught cool where they want to find out more, mm. but haven't actually got the bandwidth or the resource or the time to do it. So that's you know hopefully where we, we come in. So on on the progressive side, mm. um, 
what's the sort of balance between full-time workers or contract workers that engage with the different startups? What does that team look like and how do you engage with the, uh, with the corporates? Yeah, I mean, we have, a, we have a small handful of people full-time mm-hmm. and then we have 10 to 15 freelancers that we, we draw upon when needed. Mm. For the, the work that I specifically look on, which is this taking the corporate brief and searching to see what's out there in the startup world, it's generally myself, potentially another member of the team, yes. and, and a lady called Sue, who's a great researcher, who's a, who's a freelance we work with. And between us, that's where we start doing the search. So yeah. over the eight years I've been doing this, I've built up quite a, a substantial network globally of people who either know loads of startups or run global accelerators. So when mm. I get the brief, I can go to them and say, look, this is what my client's looking for. Can you um, potentially introduce us to people that you think we should talk to? Yes. And at the same time, Sue will do some research. So between us, we come back with a, with a hopefully a very big landscape of what's happening. And then what we do then, Lucas, which I think makes us different, is we actually then reach out to the startups and talk to them. Mm. So we don't go back to the client with just a list because to a certain extent, anyone can Google and give a list of what startups are operating where and how they do it. We actually talk to the founders yes. to really understand what they're doing now, whether they're relevant for the brief we're looking at, whether they're interested in the brief that we're looking at, but most importantly, just to understand the potential of each technology. Because mm-hmm. what you sometimes see on a website or what you read on a, on a Google search may not be the true current situation for that startup. Yes. So the reason we do that is that when we do go back to the client with the, the overview, yes, we can talk from experience about each company that we've, we've spoken to and we think could be relevant. So mm-hmm. we can say, this is what they do. The founder is, is, you know, works in this area, their background's here. This is where they're going to go over roadmap. Yes. So it gives a much more in-depth overview of, of said startup mm-hmm. rather than just say, here is a list of 30, that's it, job done. Yes. So we do a lot more in-depth research as well as kind of searching and talking to people. We want to come back with as much information as we can to mm-hmm. the client to help them as you say, narrow that, that field down from 30, 40 to five to, to one or two. Okay. That's a, that's a really good process. So, you know, you're starting out with network, speaking mm. to different accelerators, um, doing some desktop research as well, and then having the conversations with the startups. Mm. I suppose from my side, it, it, it's very interesting to understand when you have the conversations with each one of those startups, how you do it in a standardized manner. So I suppose the question I would have comes back to the brief Mm. that the corporates give you. Do they give you, let's say, user stories or key sort of final outcomes that they'd like to achieve that you use to guide each one of those conversations with the startups? We we have a quite a simple template that we asked our clients, the the, the corporate clients, to fill out. Yes. Um, And we always look for a brief which is slightly open but but not too open and not too um specific because the, the, the more tight it is the less we come back with and i think you miss opportunities on the peripheral then mm-hmm. but if it's wide open then we don't want to come back with 300 because that's a really long process to go through and maybe we won't end up where we want to end up with the client in terms of what they're looking for mm. so the client can can give us a quite a rough overview of what the problem is mm-hmm. in the brief template itself there's opportunity for them to put considerations down or constraints down or or the scope in a bit more detail. Sure. We take that, we have a, a discussion with the client to understand exactly what they mean because what you read sometimes isn't necessarily how you how you see things, perceive things. So we want to make sure from the client that what, what we perceive the, the brief to be about is exactly right. Yes. And once we get that alignment with the client, we then go and start doing the search and talking to startups. Mm-hmm. When we initially talk to the startup, we don't 
share the the brief in detail with them. The mm-hmm. initial conversations is more around what they're doing, roughly what the brief's looking at. We don't mention the client's name because okay. some clients don't want to be don't want to, rightly so don't want to, it to, to be known that they're looking for certain tech yes. at that time. Um, so we keep the client's name to one side and we just talk roughly around the brief. Our goal really is to understand what the technology is about, get a feeling for where the company's going, and and most importantly ascertain whether this could be a a, a potential solution mm. to the brief. And we do let the startup have an insight into the brief and what sector the, the client comes from. Yes. But we don't go into too much detail. Um, and we also manage expectation with the startup that this is the very first stage of the process. Yes. And if they're lucky enough to be chosen to come and pitch, if they're one of the five or six that are chosen to pitch, then absolutely we will talk about the client, mm. who they are, and then we'll, we'll share the whole brief with them. Yes. So we're, we're quite... Um, there's, there's, there's a structure behind mm-hmm. our process, but we, we keep it very, very open. We don't want too much. We don't want to, give, we don't want to spend loads and loads of time talking to people, mm. um, but we want to give enough information to make people feel like they, they've got enough, um, should we say, information in front of them to make a decision or to feel like they can say, yes, we're interested in this brief. Okay, that makes sense. And um, I, I suppose what are your key learnings of you know, the startups and the corporates engaging together yep. from this tried and tested process. You've been doing it for yeah. a long time. Uh, we, we've done over 100 briefs now. I wow. should count them, but it's definitely over 100. Um, the, the biggest challenge we have, apart mm. from matching startups, scale-ups with the brief, that's the big challenge, but outside of that is is really managing expectations. Mm-hmm. So depending on the the client, yes, um, Large companies, I believe, have different expectations of the startup world. Some will see startups as acne-ridden teenagers coping <laughs> in bedrooms still. They're completely um, oblivious to reality, which is a lot of you know really great companies, startup scale-ups are out there. Yes. Very professional with people of all backgrounds, all races, from different um, experience journeys, etc. Yes, it isn't just one person coding in a bedroom with a, an, an amazing idea, but nothing's come from it yet. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we have to educate the corporate the the startup world is 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 a huge opportunity yes and even though it's risky everything's risky Mm. it isn't as um should we say early stage as they think we don't we we generally go for startups that have already got a product that's working have got a couple of case studies under their belt Mm -hmm. so when so they're ready to work with a corporate unless a corporate says we want to work with someone who's building something Mm. from scratch we generally go with startups that have got some experience of working with corporates already so that de-risks it so the challenge with the corporate is managing their expectations, one of what a startup actually can do for them, because mm. it's a trillion dollar R&D opportunity out there, you know, in terms of what people are building. So one is managing their expectation of, of what a startup is and what they can do. Mm. And the other one with the corporate side is managing their expectation about what they're going to get back. If they expect the next TikTok or Snapchat overnight, which is going to triple their, their bottom line, then that isn't going to be the case. That's not going to happen. Yes. If that was out there, everyone would know about it. Yes. So we manage their expectations in many different ways. If we flip it to the startup side, we also have to manage expectations. So some startups will um, be contacted by us, and when we name the, the client, if they're a global um, corporate player, Yes. Sometimes startups will think this is it. This is the you know the the five million dollar check that's going to change my life. Yes. Yeah. And they see the brand and they see the size of the company, and they lose track of the here and the now. 
mm. you know and if they are lucky enough to get to the the pilot stage mm. you know the pilots are this side of 50k yes you know yes. they're not six seven uh digit pilots not yes. at this stage yes so um we have to manage our expectations there the, mm. this is a great opportunity but this isn't going to be a game changer overnight for the startups and, and in a way for the corporates yeah so to to summarize expectation management is is as much a challenge for us as finding the right technology options for for the brief yes that's that's a really interesting point because certainly from what i've seen before sometimes you know a big company will come along and speak with the startup mm. and say you know this is what we look for startup allocates all of their resource to mm. doing that but then the goalposts keep changing because different stakeholders have different requirements within the corporate and then the startup feels like they've done all this work and yeah. it hasn't been used. Is that well, Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, and we're there to manage that as well. Yes. Um, we're there to make sure that the brief at the, at the start is very tight. Mm. Message to the client is once the brief is established, mm. then apart from having to attend certain meetings, they can get on with their day job. We do all the heavy lifting, all the due diligence, the interviewing, mm. the filtering, the searching, arrange the pitch session. We do all of that so they can get on with their day job. Yes. What we don't want is the goalposts moving, as you say all the time. So we're very clear at the start, this is a brief mm -hmm. and we go with that. And once we start researching, to a certain extent, we're off. Yes. Now, obviously, if there is a change that needs to be implemented into, belief, into the brief, fine mm -hmm. but that doesn't usually happen once we get that brief ready it's off but you can't it's not good to change halfway through and with the startup we also i would think manage manage their expectations but also make sure they put the right amount of effort into the work mm -hmm. but not so much that everything relies on it so yes. what we generally to your earlier question when we talk to a startup and we feel they're right for the brief mm. all we want from them is just a few lines about what they do any links to any videos they've got to help us sell to the corporate what they do, and that's all we need. We don't want any yeah. pitch decks on any presentations at that stage. Yes. So we try and keep it very light touch for the startup and until they get to the pitch stage when they have to put more work into it. So we try and we try and keep both sides work light, if that mm. is. We don't want everyone involved all the way through because it can you know, it can get very heavy and it can slow the process up. Yes. But obviously we contact we, we work between the two all the time. But we're very we're very mindful of um startups expectations and their resources much more strained yes. should we say when they're going through the process and maybe a, a large corporate's huge resources yeah absolutely so if we if we dive down further into the funnel from mm. sort of the research stage you know proof of concept sort of stage yeah. um uh to you know a firm agreement being signed between the corporate and the startup without giving away any any you know deals are you yeah. able to discuss or elaborate on say a success story yeah we've, we've had loads i mean for one our briefs are in all different areas so we we we've we started off a lot of it was marketing briefs it's got more to esg briefs it's got mm -hmm. more now to we just did a brief with scope three emissions measurement yes we've, we've looked at briefs where you can use celebrity avatars as a way uh -huh. of, of of promoting a brand we've looked at briefs at to do with esports, wow. and we even had a brief um, a couple of years ago for um, technology that can sit on a water pipe and tell whether there's going to be a leak a wow. long time before the leak even starts. Yes, yeah. So we've incredible. For, for one, we get loads of briefs in loads of areas, and what started as a marketing domain, really, we've got we get briefs from all departments. Um, in terms of ones that have really worked, we we worked with a, a client recently where they are. They were looking to measure their um, scope three emissions, and we helped them find a, a really good German 
company called yes. Planetly, which help large companies look back through their supply chain and and, and help track and measure their, their scope three emissions. That's been a, a great success. We've worked with other clients more in the banking area where they were looking to bring their, their content to life more. It okay. was working okay, but it wasn't great. And we yeah. we paired them up with a great company called Vidzi, which do some really good um, consumer-generated video. Okay. And and that changed the, 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 the game for the client. It wasn't yes. only, um, uh, should we say, content short-form video, which was three or four times more engaging than the video yeah. that they had produced before from, from their agencies, but also they could, it was cheaper, faster they got more content and the content worked harder for them fantastic we, and we, we had one with another client where they were looking to recruit senior management and they were a bit fed up with the myers-briggs model yeah so we found um a, a company out there which actually helps using games gamification to for, for senior people to to play yes and that identifies their kind of cognitive skills and, oh, their strengths wow. and weaknesses and they use that to help choose someone for for the board so we've had lots of success stories um one thing I will say is I've never quite got it right yet when I've had a brief and after going through all the searches, identified the one that's going to win the pilot. Every, oh, time okay. I, every time I think that's the one who's going to get it or, or maybe should get it, I'm always proved wrong. <laughs> so it is, it, you, can't, you, can't, you cannot second guess what a client at the end of the day really, really wants when they see the startups and talk to them. Um, we have an idea, but... I wouldn't, I wouldn't put money on guessing the outcome. And that's what's part of the fun, really, because it evolves. What we think is right after talking to startups, the, the, the game can change after the pitches and yes. the, the Q&As, and that's really important. So the, the front runner going into the pitch session may end up not being the one who gets the pilot at the end. Okay, okay. And that's the beauty of perspective, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to sit in the corporate shoes, you know, as closely as you work with them. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it's... I always say to, to to startups the best the the best tech or service on paper isn't always the one that gets the work. It's mm. it's how you portray that technology, how you make it relevant to the client in that pitch. Yes. And also how you engage with the client when it comes to the Q and A's at the end of the pitch. Yes. And yeah. I would always argue that post the, the, the initial pitch mm -hmm. in the pitch session, the fifteen, twenty minutes Q and A's is the most important part. Yes. Because that's where the client both sides actually get an idea of what the other side's like, the personalities, the kind of questions. Yes. And, and, and also they get the first idea of whether they can work with the other side, whether mm -hmm. they can see themselves from both sides working with the other party. Yes. So that Q&A bit, I would almost argue, is as important as the pitch. Yes, okay, okay. But that whole session, the pitch and the Q&A can change the whole thing. You could be front runner, end up fifth. Yes. You could be fifth, end up getting the gig. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Well, I, I know, you know, from my network of founders that, you know, pitch to VCs, they really, really focus on, on, on the pitches and, and the Q&A for that. But we don't hear enough about, you know, pitches to corporates or, or sales pitches mm. um, uh, from startups. I hear it a lot from, you know, friends of mine who are involved in, in SaaS and sales, yeah. but, uh, but not enough from startups engaging with corporates. Yeah, no I think that's the other finding we found or the insight we found over time is that we make sure that those pitch sessions are off-site. Okay. So apart from one of the 100 plus we've done, um, only one of them has been on the site of the client. Okay. Um, the rest are off-site. Yes. One, because I think if we get the clients, the corporate clients away from their office, there's more chance that they won't be distracted by someone walking down a corridor knocking on the door and yeah. wanting to have a chat. 
Um, so, and also, I think it's really important for 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 our corporate clients to usually come to the this this session, which is in the startup venue, co-working yes. space, whatever, and experience that that startup feel when they're there. Mm, mm. I think that puts them in the right mindset, and I think it actually makes them realise that this is exciting. This, this yes. session they're going through with us could be half a day, could be a whole day. It's completely different from the day job, completely different from the meetings they normally have, yes. and 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 should be embraced and and should really enjoy it. And yes, there is a a pressure to hopefully select um, a partner or hopefully find a partner they feel comfortable to select. Yes. But also they should enjoy it as well and, and be very open-minded. And, yeah. and we say to the startups that, you know, make the most of the 45 minutes hour you have mm. with with the client. Um, yes. But at the same time, don't oversell. Yes. Be very relaxed and, 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 and think as much about the answers to the questions you get as as you do to the slides you present. Yes, fantastic. And I, I think a lot of what you've touched upon is almost how you're coaching the corporates and bringing them in to that startup world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know that you've written a book uh, yes. about demystifying that startup world. So I'm wondering whether you could talk us through that journey of working with all of these corporates and then you know writing the book um, uh, and just really dive into how you are helping those corporates and you've helped them um, yes. over the previous years. Well, it wasn't a linear journey. I mean, when I, when I jumped the corporate ship, the first thing that struck me was I, I thought I was leaving the world of jargon with the corporate world. <laughs> and then when I went into the startup world, I, I realized that the terminology was, was, was it, you drown in, yeah. the, in the terminology. So within two or three months, I found myself in meetings where people were talking about burn rate, roadmap, Series A, Series B, Enterprise Play, Convertible (laughs) Notes. And I thought, my goodness, what does it all mean? Now, maybe I was a little bit egotistical, a little bit confident, so I I winged it a bit. Mm -hmm. I kind of nodded my head and looked it up afterwards. But as time went on, this this flow of words didn't didn't slow up. Yes. And so it led to, um, to be be honest, about four years ago, I I had an idea to, to pull a kind of a, what you could call a glossary of terms together yes of the a to z of terms and words that i as an ex-corporate have had to learn mm-hmm. to do what i'm doing now and then it got parked I, I put some like 30 words on a document put it in the cloud somewhere and forgot it and then <laughs> just at the end of covid my wife said to me whatever happened to that book idea and I, i've completely forgotten about it so i found a file realized quite early on that i wouldn't have the time and 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 the, and the focus better do it on my own. So I, I partnered with a, a good friend called Eamon Carey, who um, up until very recently was the MD at Techstars in the UK. Yes. And said to Eamon, look, do you fancy putting this book together between us? Because Eamon's got a phenomenal network, knowledge of the startup world, investor world. So last uh, September, we started writing the book, September 2021. And between us, we... we, we pulled the book together it came out in june it's called the, the startup lexicon yes and it's in essence it's 200 plus words and phrases a to z of um terms that you you need to know if you're either a corporate who's going to work with startups if you're dare i say studying entrepreneurship at undergrad or postgrad at university yes if you're starting a business yourself or if you're joining an accelerator anyone who is venturing into the startup world either mm-hmm. as a future founder or a corporate willing to engage with the startup world then this book hopefully is for you and we've also rather than making it just an a to z Mm. which can be quite dry 
we've also got um, insights from 25 or so experts, okay. um, corporate experts, investor experts, startup founders who've been very successful to also give some of their words and stories behind certain phrases that we've highlighted yes. in the book. So it's what what was a bit of a, a, a side hustle was really picked up. So we find out that you know, people are wanting to, to talk about the book. We're aiming and I doing talks about the book. Uh-huh. Fantastic. So it was meant to be a kind of a, um, a piece of marketing, really. Yes. Um, and now has turned into a, a, a separate part of my day job. <laughs> Which um, is But fantastic. very enjoyable. And um, we've already, it's a very good chance we do a second edition at the back end of next year because since it came out in June, I think between us, Eamon and I have identified 30 or so, 20 or 30 words that need to go in the next edition. So, oh, wow. So the startup language is always evolving. Yes. And um, my my passion point really is I would it, it would be a, a huge shame if someone had a great business idea mm. and maybe lacked a bit of confidence. Yes. And went into a meeting where someone the, the people she was talk, he or she is talking to use terms they don't understand. Yes. And then they decided not to progress because they thought oh, I'm not very good. I didn't think I was. I don't, I don't understand what people are talking about. And then pull away. That's that's one bit that. I hope the book helps. It's not going to turn you into a, a super entrepreneur overnight, but if it keeps you in the conversation yes, and it makes you feel confident enough to engage and maybe do more research into certain areas, then it's doing its job. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So it will help corporates, but I also want it to help people who have taken that brave step of, I might start my own business. Yes. A little bit unsure and maybe about themselves as well, you know, imposter syndrome, this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it'd be a crying shame if people never took that next step because a few words were thrown around in the conversation which made someone feel like oh it's not for me yeah yeah and i i think you know first of all congratulations in terms of the 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 fact that you're already thinking about a second edition that's fantastic um but what i wanted to sort of um you know refer to is the fact that it although we are in a difficult period economically often that's when a lot of innovation comes out and so that's where you know the book could actually be quite relevant for people that may have never thought that they'd start their own business but as a result of the layoffs and such and Mm -hmm. the fact that there aren't many jobs being advertised maybe people will actually give it a go so it's a great time to be educating people um you're absolutely right i think these difficult times that people are going through now i don't i for me personally, someone joked the other day, when I when I left a corporate ship eight years ago, if you'd have said to me two years before I jumped that I would be working for myself, yes. I would have said, you're mad. <laughs> I never want to do that. I like the corporate world. So, mm. and, and I didn't have to jump. I jumped voluntarily. I wasn't laid off. But it is a big, it is a big step, but I would, yes. I would highly recommend it. So much so that, you know, I don't want to shoot myself in the foot, but I would struggle <laughs> now to go back. Um, into the corporate world yes so i would recommend it but obviously you know there's difficult times at the moment so it's not it's not for everyone but at the same time i don't think it should be just dismissed i think people should think about it because there's more support out there now there's more options out there now and i also think that being an entrepreneur now is much more is deemed in a much more positive way Mm. than definitely it was 20 or 30 years ago so it's pretty cool now in a way to be an entrepreneur um it's tough Mm. But I think it's much more acceptable now to to say I'm going to start my own business. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think it's interesting when I when I told my parents that I was going to leave my job and start you know my own business. Yeah. I suppose their reactions were, oh no, like that's very risky. But actually, if you look at you know a whole lot of uh, uh, different people, um, you know, who are, let's say, they're they're, they're tradespeople, they might be a plumber or they might have a construction firm, 
they're entrepreneurs yeah. as well. Just because they don't work with tech doesn't mean that they're not entrepreneurs. And so, you know, I guess my my view of this is, sure, you know, I might work with a bit of tech, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's any more risky than, uh, you know, launching a business in, in any other trade. No, absolutely not. And I, I the funny thing is, once you do run your own business, you see more entrepreneurs out there yes so uh, funnily enough we're having work done in the house at the moment so our house as of today is is full of electricians people putting windows in people looking at kitchens i mean and and all of these people have got their own businesses be it one man one person business or three or four but they've all got their own individual accounts yes cash flow challenges business challenges but it's their own it's their own business, and, mm. and you're exactly right. You know, it, I, you know, we may work in a world where a lot of the startups I work with are tech based, mm. but they don't own the startup ecosystem. Yes. And there's plenty of people out there doing amazing businesses that don't involve technology at all, and, and dare I say, don't need yes. technology. So um, technology isn't the only thing that determines if you're a good or a trendy entrepreneur. I, I, I'm really, um, should we say, I'm, I'm, I'm behind everyone who's running their own business, whatever it may be. In. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Ken, um, you know, we, we did touch upon the difficult economic times just mm. previously. You know, you've been in the industry for a fair while now. What uh, tips or sort of key takeaways would you give to founders or operators, um, regardless of whether, let's say, they're in a corporate, they're in a startup, they own their own business? Let's say, what would your top three takeaways be um, for the audience? I think one takeaway for maybe on the startup side is to is is, is to remain focused on on what matters. And if, if if like you know we're going into difficult times now, yes, I think it's really focusing on where the where the business is and where you can get the most return for the work you're going to put in. I think when times are good, you can start trying different things and everything. But once it gets a little bit tough, I always say just keep focused on what will help grow the business and, and yes. bring in in some cases bring the cash flow um, into the business to keep it going so mm. focus on the key areas yes and and really really hone your time and 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 uh, focus and bandwidth into the areas that will make a difference sure sure so I would say one is definitely focus I think maybe more for the corporate side is don't if, if you know budgets are getting cut mm. we hear a lot of clients saying that times are changing that you know the future is quite uncertain costs as we know are going up mm. um one tip I, w- I would say is keep the inflate in, in sorry, keep the innovation flame burning, mm-hmm. um, especially if you've got momentum. Yes. So it's it's very easy to say look, times are tough, and I fully understand where it comes from. We we stop the innovation for now. We stop the the getting outside people in to help us. Let's just focus on the keeping the business going, which kind of relates to what I've just said. But yes. for corporate, I think if they can try and keep that inf- innovation flame going. Keep, keep the curiosity going. So what we've found with um, a lot of our clients mm. now is some are carrying on as they are, still saying let's just carry on with the briefs and work with pilots and startups and pilots. Others yes. are saying, can we just cut a little back a little bit and do just some, the research side of it? Mm-hmm. And which is really good, actually. They don't want to commit to work with a startup if at some point it's not going to happen. They don't yeah. want to let people down. And that's, that's very admirable. Indeed. So some are saying, right, we want to keep going. But for the next two or three briefs, let's go halfway through the process mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. get the lie of the land, work out what's out there, and then when we're a bit more certain, we'll finish off the second half and we'll start getting the pitches and working with someone. But they've got all the information there ready to go when the time 
presents itself again. Okay. And and we find that with new clients, we've had quite a lot of new clients come to us recently, bizarrely, in in situations where the, the market now is quite tough, and saying, look, we we understand what you do. Yes. We'd love to work with you and go right to the pilot stage, but because of the current situation, we can't. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's start working together, and can you just give us some insight first and some research first? So. They're actually coming to us as new clients saying, right, we've got to carry on as business as usual, but on the side, we want to set two or three kind of curiosity streams off where we've got three or four pieces of research running under yes. you. So when when the time is right, we can use that those findings to help us get more budget to to start working with startups. So okay. it's just keeping that, that innovation curiosity going. Yes. I would argue. You know, and if we can help clients identify opportunities, yes. it doesn't mean they have to jump on it straight away but at least it's there so when the opportunity comes up with budget yes they can say well we've got the the case study here to, to go ahead which we're working with this company in this area yes so um if there was two insights i'd say if you're a startup generally just focus on what's important because mm-hmm. um, that's crucial and i think if you're a, a corporate generally i would say if, if possible don't don't put out the innovation flame mm-hmm. keep it going maybe turn it down a little bit maybe just keep the research going yes um and by all means you know if you want to work with a startup fantastic mm. but that doesn't it doesn't have to be a you have to work with startups or you don't you can mm. go halfway and still go out there and see what's out there help us identify opportunities for you so when the time comes you can you can leverage those opportunities fantastic ken we've covered a lot today um any closing remarks no i think it's been it's been fantastic and i think sitting here talking about the startup world, all that does is just reinforces why it's great. It's a great environment to be in. Yes, it is challenging. Yes. But as to my previous point, I mean, it's a great place to be. It's always changing and, mm. and just reminds me of the reason really why I jumped the ship in the first place and and wanted to work more in the, the startup ecosystem. Excellent. But, but thank you for the opportunity. No, no. Thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your experience and your views, um, for talking about the book. It'll be great. You know, maybe in, in a, a few months' time, we can do a, a round two, a podcast dedicated to you the second know. edition of what, the book. Watch this space. Yeah, indeed. Um, but look, thanks so much for really dig into how different corporates collaborate with startups and you know how you and progressive the team at progressive act as that glue in the middle um some really interesting insights and again very grateful that you're able to join us today thank you ken my pleasure